Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. I was thinking about um, uh, recently, and it's almost my 20-year high school reunion, but recently I had my 10-year high school reunion, and um, <clears throat> I, I went back to my old stomping grounds, right? Uh, I was the man on campus, that sort of, that sort of thing, right? Um, not really, but um, it, it, it's so funny going back to somewhere that you haven't been in a while, and you start to have all the nostalgia, you start to think of different things, you start to think of memories, you, you remember different people, and you... You start to go through different um, stories, and, 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 and I remember talking to a couple different people, and they were talking about things that I didn't remember until they mentioned. You ever gone through something like that where they were that sort of thing? But something about being there, even though it wasn't my school anymore, it was my school, it still felt like home because I spent a certain amount of my life there. Sometimes my mom forgot me, and I was left up there, and I felt like I had to actually sleep up there before. Um, that's another story for another time, and I'm still working through that with um, some people. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, same deal, I went to the University of Florida. Okay, thank you. That didn't even come from the guy wearing the gator shirt. I know, what's up with that? Okay, <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, so I went to the University of Florida, and my, my, I took my son there, and we, we kind of stopped by on the way through Gainesville, and I thought, you know what? He's loving football right now. I want him to see the stadium. And so we took him, I took him there, and it was an empty stadium, and he got to see it, and it was really cool. The Flo- University of Florida always has their stadium open. It's a really cool place. And, uh, and I could just think of all the times that I was there. I was there for two national championships in football, not to be confused with the other national championships in basketball that I got to witness while I was there as well. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, there was a lot of great memories. Again, when I was there, I spent a good portion of my life there, and it was, it was like home. Things change. You feel, you feel different memories come back, and it feels like home, and, and, and it, you get this little bit of nostalgia. It takes you to another place in time. Uh, it takes you to a place where you're, you maybe remember the, the, the fond feelings that you had for different people at that time or the relationships that you had with different people and friends and, and, and going back and living back in my small town and, and what it was like to, to be raised there and have my family there and that sort of thing. And, uh, and recently, it was, it was Valentine's Day, and I saw uh, Sleepless in Seattle. You guys with me on that? Or ladies at least with me on that? And in that movie... It's Valentine's Day, and they meet up at the, uh, at the uh, I almost said the Eiffel Tower, but the Empire State Building, right? And when I see a movie like that, it has all the different things that are moving around in that, and there's a great ending. I watched Sleepless in Seattle, and it just brought me back to when I was in New York, and I got to go to the Empire State. I'm just kidding. It brought me back to some of those early feelings of being uh, courting and the courtship of, of Danil and I and, and falling in love and those things. And so some of those things are great because they take us and they bring us back to another place that is maybe more comfortable, more feel, uh, you've got the, the feels and it feels good. And I wanna kind of address that when we're talking about home because I think all of us, when we think of the phrase welcome home, it feels good. Because if you've gone away from home for a certain amount of time and you come home and you just kind of unload all your, your, your dirty laundry and your, 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 your bags and all that stuff after a long trip, it just feels good to sit down, sleep in your bed. Like how many times have you gone somewhere and you're like, I just can't wait to sleep in my bed tonight, right? Like there's that feeling that you get when you're home. 
And so the whole purpose of all this setup is so that you can understand that that's what we're trying to build here at Anchor Church. We're trying to build a place where when you step in these doors, because of the relationships with you, that you have with people, because of the relationship that you have with the Lord, because of what you're doing when you are a part of this, when you're serving and you're involved and you're a part of a group and you're, uh, you do the different events that we're doing, when you come together, it's like a family reunion every single Sunday. Hopefully, it wasn't the last time you saw some of the same people that you saw with them. You saw them at some point during the week as well. But there's that feeling of just, you know what? This is my home. There may be chicken nuggets on the floor and Cheetos, but this is my home because this is my church family. And this, there's something special here. There's a, there's a, there's a psalm that I wanna read to you today this was written by Asaph. It's not, uh, I think a lot of us think sometimes that David wrote all of them, but this one was written by Asaph. It's a Psalm of Asaph, Psalm 73. You can read along on the, on the screen behind me. But this is, his, this is his letter. This is his psalm. This is his story. This is his poem, and he's a, he's a pretty good writer. He says this in verse one. He says, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. See, he's acknowledging something here. He does say, hey, God is good to Israel. Many of you grew up saying, God is good, God is great. Let us thank him for the, right? I don't know if that rhymed or not, but I remember saying that. So he's saying this, he's saying God is good. He is indeed good, he is pure in heart. But as for me, but as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray, for I envied the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. See, he's looking outside of where he's at. There's envy that's filling up in, inside of him because he's looking at people that may not necessarily be as involved with the Lord as he is. Think about it in the context of where we are right now. You may serve, you may participate at some level in church and you're here now so you're giving away at least one hour of your week to doing something for God. And so he's saying, I, I do all this, I'm a part of this, I, I contribute. And, and he's starting to look outside the walls of the church and he says, it's not fair. Look at these, look at these people out here. I've envied the arrogant, I saw the, the prosperity of the, of the, of the wicked. Um, verse four, they have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. They're not feeling the same tension that I'm feeling in my relationship with the Lord. Verse six, therefore pride is their necklace. They put it on. They just walk around with this pride that they have. And violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. And imagine, imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten the oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. Meaning this, sometimes it's appealing to, to soak in some of these things that, that the world will, will say or throw at us. You know what? Why do I have to be here every single Sunday? Why do I need to be a part of this group? Why should I do this? You know what? This is a lot of work. For some people that are sitting in this room right now or even serving over in kids, their day starts at 8 o'clock and it does not end here until 1230. So that's a lot of time on a Sunday that they could be doing other things. 
and they think, this isn't fair. Look at these people. They don't have to worry about this at all. Verse 11, they say, how, could, how, can, God, how can God know? How, how, does, uh, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? In verse 12, look at them, the wicked. They are always at ease and they increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? Did I do all this? Am I laboring? Am I, am I part of something? Am I giving of my time? Am I doing a devotion? And all this is, is not worth it when other people aren't worrying about the same things that I'm worried about. And so I wanna tell you today that you know, being a part of a church is not always easy. Just even giving of your time, one, just to be here, not easy. If you're gonna take that next step and, and participate and be a part of other things and be a part of setup or be a part of this or go to a, a small group or whatever the case may be, it's, it's not easy. What is easy is throwing on Z88, listening to the worship songs there, saying, okay, I'm filled. What's easy is putting on a podcast of your favorite communicators that are not me. Some people that are far better, that are nationally known, internationally known, we can, we can dial that up any moment and just start listening to them. So it's real easy to not participate and come sit and be a part of something on a Sunday or be a part of a group or be a part of a worship service or whatever the case may be. It's easy. The world is making it a whole lot easier now. The other thing is, is that it's messy. It's not the, it, it is a messy, you know what? Churches are messy because they're filled with messy people. They're filled with people that aren't perfect, pursuing somebody who is, but when you mix a whole bunch of messy people in, a, in, in one space, it's, it's gonna get messier. It doesn't get cleaned up, right? Two wrongs don't make, it, don't make it right. Two wrongs make it messy. That's the beauty of the church, though, too, is that we're all here. We're all sitting here for a purpose, but as I look around the room, there are so many people that are so different and have so many different views and have so many different opinions on different things, but the one thing that brings us all together is Christ. That's the one commonality. We're pursuing an uncommon purpose, but it is common to all of us. But it can be messy. And the other thing that is, is, is in church is that it's a battle. Like it is a legit battle. Like the, the, the world is not a playground. The world is a battlefield. And so we have to go to battle every single day with different things that are coming, at it, coming against us. We all slip and we all have these different things that we know that we shouldn't do. We all have sins in our life that we slip and we are a part of. And we have to make that decision, yes, I'm, I'm gonna participate or no, I'm not gonna participate in this anymore. That's, that's a daily struggle. And there are people that'll come at us. Just like Asaph is talking about, there are people out there that we get envious of, that we think, man, you know what? If I wasn't doing this or if I was a part of this, then that my life would be a whole lot easier. And so we, we have to approach every single day like it's a battle. That, that doesn't sound easy. When you watch a movie about a war, it can be glamorized and you can, you can see and the, and the actors were a part of that, but it, it's, a whole lot, it's a whole lot more real when you're a part of the real battle, a whole lot more scary when you're a part of the real battle. So it's not the easiest thing in the world. But Asaph continues on. He says this. For am I afflicted all day long and punished every morning? If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would, be, I would have betrayed your people, talking to God. When I tried to understand all of this, 
it seemed hopeless. See, Asaph is feeling hopeless. He's, he's measuring himself against the world, which I think every single one of us do. We all measure ourselves against our neighbors. We measure ourselves against the world and what the world says that we should participate in. The world says what we should believe in. The world says how we should act, how we should respond. And sometimes we give in to that because we're like, you know what, that would be easier. It would be a whole lot easier to do that than to do what I'm doing. It would be a whole lot easier to participate in that or to not participate in this, meaning the church, than it would be um, otherwise. So sometimes we give, and this is where he's at. He's like, I have this constant tension. I have this struggle that I'm going through on a daily basis, and it feels like it's not fair, and I envy the people that don't go, have to be going through the same things I'm going through. Like, that's an internal struggle that we have as, as believers, as church people, as, as, as church goers, that, that we're against the world, and we are in this battle. And so sometimes we can be envious of somebody. What, what, what happens a lot of times when we're envious of somebody? We, we fall to that trap. We, we, get, we get that car. We, we, get that, we get those shoes. We get that shirt. We, we behave the way that we know we shouldn't behave. We talk about somebody when we know we shouldn't be talking about them. We participate in that. And so he's feeling this tension just like all of us feel this tension. Should I be a part of this? Should I not be a part of this? Is this my home or is this my home? Verse 17 is the clutch verse. And he says this. He says, until I entered God's sanctuary, till I entered his place where he was present. See, the Bible also tells us that where two or more are gathered in his name, then he's present. He has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is a part of this room today, a part of the celebration, part of the worship with us this morning. And so he says, when I, I felt all of this tension, I felt all of this strife, I felt all of this envy and this, I felt all of it until I entered God's sanctuary. And then I understood, I was reminded, I was a part of other people who were there to encourage me, to lift me up, to, to, to keep me thinking forward, to keep me right where I need to be in line. And then I understood their destiny. I have a quote here that I wanna put up on the screen. I don't know it off the top of my head, but Brenna's gonna put it up here because I love this quote. It says, I want to live intentionally in light of eternity. I wanna live intentionally in light of eternity. Meaning this, this is what Asaph was feeling. He said, you know what? I, I was envious of these people until I stepped foot into the sanctuary, until I stepped foot among other people around me, until I was a part or around other people, God's people, and I started to realize what their eternity would look like. And they're living for the world. I'm living for something far greater. I'm living for eternity. And that puts things a whole lot more into perspective. And all of a sudden, he felt compassion on these people. He said, all these people around me are living for the world. They're, they're living for the riches of the world. They're living for, they're, they're, they're fat cats living off the land. They're not, they, don't care, they don't have a care in the world. They should be more concerned about their eternity. They should be more concerned about what is to come. And so I'm gonna, I feel compassion on them. I want to reach out to them. I want to love them. I want to care for them. I want them to see what I see. That's what Jesus was. That's how he was. He says, I want, I want, to, I want to feel what they feel. I want them to understand the love of Christ. So I'm gonna extend my arm out. I'm gonna extend my hand out to love them. 
And here's what happens. This is what we celebrate at Anchor Church too. We want to love and lead people with the hope of Jesus. So, so we understand that we can extend a hand out and love them, but then we're gonna help pull them up and lead them. See, at Anchor Church, we love and lead with the hope of Jesus. So we can pull them up, we can help them, and then we can lead them and allow them to be a part of our family. That's the biggest thing and the best thing about family. If a family is living right, that, that hand is always an extension out, saying, hey, we want you to be a part of our family. The greatest thing that I experienced as an you know, in-law, as somebody that was courting my wife, was my family. I was welcomed with open arms to be a part of a family. Much so to the point where I would consider my father-in-law more of like a dad in my life than my own dad. More so that I would consider my mother-in-law a mother in my life as an adult more so than my own mother. That's the type of love that I was given. And I've also been given direction. I've been led as well. And when we are a church family, we have the exact same mentality. We're gonna extend that arm out and love them and lead them. We wanna meet you where you are. Jesus met the woman at the well where she was in a place where it was not good. She, he went over to her, welcomed her, loved her, and then led her to where she, was, where she should go. Even the rich young ruler the rich young ruler approached Jesus and said, hey, I'm ready to follow you. Tell me what to do. Jesus loved him enough to know. This is, this is where love is a little bit different, right? But he said, you need to give away your possessions because he knew where his heart was. And so he said, I love you enough to come and follow me, but here's what you have to do. You have to be able to give up your possessions because I know that you're holding on to those way too much. So that was tough love Jesus gave the rich young ruler. The guy turned it down and ran away. Jesus didn't get the opportunity to lead him in the way that he could have led him. But we start with love. Extending that hand and welcoming people to be a part of our family. That's exactly what Jesus did when he started this church, this thing, not, not just Anchor Church, I'm talking about the, the Big C Church in general. In Acts chapter two, we see this. We see a generous and growing church that's starting to happen. And we see in Acts chapter two, verse 41, it says this, for those who accepted, <clears throat> excuse me, for those who accepted his message were baptized and that day about 3,000 of them were added to the church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayers. And then came over, then fear came over everyone and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held one, uh, all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their property and distributed the proceeds to all and anyone who had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and they broke bread and they went from house to house. They gathered in a place like this. Even though it's a middle school cafeteria, we could call it a temple, Okay. But they, get, they came together and they met publicly, but then they went from house to house and they broke bread. They lived intentionally in light of eternity. And they went to house to house and they ate their food and they had a joyful and humble attitude and they were doing life together. That's what our groups are all about. That's what even serving together is all about. 
And they praised God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them so that they were being saved. They were turning their life from this world into a place that they called home. It was their church. The church was beginning. See, Jesus loves us so much that when he died, he came back to life to rescue us from our sins. But the important thing here that we see in Acts is that he spent his time on earth telling people, hey, listen, I'm preparing the way for the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm preparing the way. And when the Holy Spirit came on the earth after Jesus left, that's when the church was born. So Jesus says, listen, I'm leaving, but I'm setting you up. It's gonna be a good situation. He took his 11 disciples that walked with him and ate with him and broke bread with him, and he gave him the mission to build the church, telling Peter, you're going to be the rock in which I build this church on. And he has passed this gift and this, 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 um, this, this story and through all the ages for us to be able to welcome people to be a part of something special, to be a part of what we call a church family, to be a part of a home. So today I wanna ask you, what are you doing in your life to live intentionally in light of eternity? What are you doing to live intentionally in light of eternity? Are you building relationships with other people? Do you come in to church and sit? Do you engage with other believers? Do you engage with other people? Are you extending that handout to say, I love you, I don't know you, I'd like to get to know you? Are you helping lead them are you giving tough love when tough love is needed? Are you receiving tough love when tough love is needed in your life? Are you leading somebody or allowing somebody to lead you in your life? That's what a family is all about. As mothers and fathers, we can attest to that. We can say, you know what? I know what it's like to love my child and I want to love them and love them and love them and love them until they can't feel like they've been loved enough, until they feel like they've, whatever, you get what I'm saying? But then I also want to lead them I want to help them. Sometimes we're a little overbearing, but I want to help them make those decisions. I want to help lead them into a place where they're making the right decisions. Our church family is the same way. But the only way you can speak into somebody's life is you allow somebody to actually speak into your life. And we do that with intentional relationships. So I want to invite you today to say hey to somebody that you maybe have not, never said hey to before. As I look around the room, I can see faces today that weren't here six months ago. I see some faces in the room that were here two years ago. To the people that were here two years ago, have you said hi or introduced yourself to the people who weren't here six months ago, ever? To the people who are here six months ago, you don't know who was here three months ago vice versa. Like, this is, this is what it's all about. Living intentionally in light of eternity. Don't let the world outside distract you from what God's doing in your life. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.